0: God for this team. Um, one of the things that I love about worship is when you can get your heart in the place where you don't want it to end. And not because they sound really cool, which they do, or not because they have a really great voice, which they do, but because it keeps you thinking about God and Christ to a point that you just don't want to leave that moment. And that would be my hope, honestly, for you when you come on Sunday, is that you could get motivated to go back out into this world You get motivated to go back out in the week that God has for you. Um, If you don't know who I am, my name is Noah Gibson. I'm the youth ministry director here at The Point Church. Um, And God has blessed me and my family with coming to this church. We love The Point Church. We love what it's about. We've been talking through a series called The Good Life. uh, And in that series, we've been asking key questions and, and addressing key issues that the world says is the good life versus what God says is the good life because when we normally think about the good life man we think about money right we think about having it all we think about everything going your way we think about having the best job we think about having everything we could ever imagine and that's what we think when we think the good life and so today i get to start the conversation on money And I know, man, some people, they've already written me off. I was someone who would always write someone off the second we talked about money because I don't like talking about money. I don't know how you feel about it. But God talks about money. And so I was in a bit of a predicament when they told me I had to preach this because I really don't like talking about money. But God talks about money in the Bible. And so I had to ask myself, well, God, how could I share a message with you today? How could I share a message with the people today that they hear my heart rather than hearing the thing that will shut their ears off and they'll stop listening. I just do want to be upfront with you. I'm talking about money, but I hope you hear my intentions today. And my heart today is how can we live the good life that God has for us. And if you will keep your ears open, if you will listen to this message, if you will have what it is to give to you, I believe that God is going to do some amazing things in your life. Today, we are talking about why your intentions matter. And I remember early on in my faith, my parents, they were awesome Christians. They actually used to be missionaries. They raised me up in the church. They taught me to go to youth group. They taught me to get to church. And I did it. I continued to go to church. And yet the purpose and the intention behind why I was going, why I was pursuing those things was always just because I was doing it for my parents or I was doing it to be well-liked By other people, to be the good Christian guy. And so, for a long time in my life, that is how I lived out my faith. That is how I lived out my intentions in my life. In high school, God removed my sport, God removed my friends because we moved. And He removed all of those things in my life. And in that time, I was mad at God. Here's a fun fact anytime you're mad at God, you're in the wrong. So, just letting you know. I was mad at God, incorrectly so, because he had taken these things away that I thought were so valuable and important to my life. Only to come to realize today, and as I get to look back to praise God for the things he removed from my life so that my intentions could be focused on the right things. See, soccer, the sport that I played was in the way. It was my God, it was my idol. See, my friends, while they were nice to me, They were not good motivations. They were not pushing me closer to Christ. They were pushing me further away from him. And so as I reflect on it today, I praise God for how he moved me out of that so that my intentions could be focused on the right thing. But in the moment, I didn't want to let go of any of it. And I say this all to say your intentions matter a lot. Let's think about it this way we got some single people in the room, maybe. I just want to pray for you because dating is difficult, especially today when you're having to try and figure out who someone is on an online profile before you even meet them, right? Like they're putting their best self out there and you're supposed to judge if they're good character, if they're nice, if they're kind, if their intentions are correct. What do they want from you? And so that's difficult. It's difficult to tell what the intentions someone on the other side has, but it's important to know. Right? Because I need to understand what your intentions are in dating. I need to understand what your intentions are in this relationship. And so intentions matter, but they're very difficult to see and to, to, to be able to tell right from wrong. Man, intentions have a lot of important value. I say it this way. We're going to talk about the intentions behind the actions because your intentions matter much more than the size, the amount, or the effort that your action takes. And why do we need to talk about intentions? Well, we need to talk about intentions because they are what God sees more than anything else. See, Scripture tells us that God knows our heart, that he sees our thoughts, and so if we are to figure out what God wants for us in the good life then we must understand our intentions and we must understand how to make those Christ like. I Man today we are talking about intentions and like I said we're talking about specifically when it comes to finances. The reason we want to talk about finances is it's one of the number one subjects that God talks about in scripture. And I, you know we could sit here and go well I wonder why we know why money is consuming money leads us to good things but also to a lot of bad things money motivates us sometimes wrongly money leads us to make decisions sometimes and stop me if i'm wrong but that starts to sound like another god and so this is why god himself talks about it so much because it is difficult i don't got it all figured out But I'm standing here trying to tell you what God has to say because I know it is important. Think about the first thing we really want to talk about is, man, the idea of saving. I remember growing up uh, in middle school. I thought it would be really cool to save up for this orange iPod Nano. And I didn't have a job, and so I didn't have, you know, the ability to, like, make money or anything. And so this was, like, a big expense for me, and I had to save up by saving my birthday money and saving my Christmas money. And fun little fact, I found out after me and Caroline were dating, we both had the same iPod Nano in the same color. Everyone could go, aw. Yeah, and so anyways, it's pretty cool. But, but I saved up for that thing. I had to save my birthday money and my Christmas money. And that's not an easy thing to do for someone who's in middle school and they're like video games and they're like candy and they're like Doritos and stuff. And like, I wanted all that stuff. And yet if I really wanted what I thought was better, I had to save it. I had to wait and be intentional with that money. See, what this is leading me to in, is that we've all saved up for something and, and as you get older, those things get bigger, right? It's not an iPod Nano, it's a house. It's a car payment, right? It's these big things in your life that you're saving up for and, and we're hoping to have the money for and so we save up for them And this leads me to say, our first point, it's in your message notes if you want to write down, saving rightly values money as a gift from God. Saving rightly values money as a gift from God. What do I mean by that? I mean that we need to always have the perspective that everything God gives us, especially this resource of money, is from him. And so because of that, we want to be smart and intentional with how we use it with how we give it and with how we save it. And so we want to rightly value it. And when you save, you are rightly valuing it because you're not just acting like money is just something you could just continually get. No, you're valuing the resource that you've received. You're being intentional with how you will utilize it to its best ability because it is a resource God has given us here on earth. It's not the only resource. It's not the best resource, I'll tell you that right now, but it often feels like the most important one. And so it's a resource we have to be very careful with, and we have to make sure to be very good stewards of. And so saving rightly values money is a gift from God. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, it says, Go to the ant you sluggard, consider its ways, and be wise. The ant, it has no commander, no overseer or ruler, and yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. The ant is storing up things. He's using this illustration for us to understand that it's wise to store up. It is wise to save. So we want to be good stewards of the resources. So we want to save. A helpful metric we use, um, you may have heard it before, is called this 10-10-80 rule. We would say that that looks like giving 10% of your paycheck to savings, 10% of it to tithing, and living off of 80% of it. Now, I just want to start right here by saying this is a metric we use. This is not a rule we live by. This is something that we see uh, very helpfully given to us to learn how to utilize our money the best. But I know that there's people in here, the problem that I find with metrics, the issue that I have with a metric like this, is sometimes it leads people to go, I'm not giving that much, or it leads people to go, I'm giving that, I check the box. And what I don't want you to hear today is that I'm telling you you need to attain this goal. No, I'm saying it's a helpful goal if you would like to work towards a goal. But there are people who are giving 10% who should be giving more, and there are people who are giving way less than 10%, and they are giving more than they should. Do you know what I'm saying? Because the intentions matter much more than the size, the amount, or the effort of the action. The intentions of your heart. Matter, And so we want to talk about saving today because saving, I believe, if we look at saving the correct way, it leads to us being more generous. What I mean by that? I mean a lot of things by that. I mean that in my life, if I'm able to save, if I'm able to have a back in for myself, then I'm able to be more generous with the other money that I receive. I also mean that when I save, I'm able to intentionally think, how can I use this money for good Right? It's not wrong to want to go on a family vacation. It's not wrong to want to renovate your kitchen, which I want to do. It's not wrong to get a new car. It's not wrong to want a new house. But the intention behind it is what matters. And so it can be wrong to want to go on a trip. It can be wrong to save for that renovation if your intention is not in the right place. If our heart is not thinking, how can I be generous with the resources God has given me? See, for me and my house, we really want to make our house a place where we can invite other people in, welcome them in, and love on them. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about doing a kitchen renovation, but I'm still going to invite people in while my kitchen looks horrendous, but I'll still invite them in. And so it's giving me an opportunity to one day feel like I can welcome more people in, but I can still be generous even now. But we want to look at today, where are my intentions? Continually thinking about where are my intentions? Are they correct? Are they in the right place? And we need to ask this more often. Too often we will look at our savings and man, we'll just be like, yeah, you know, I've got a plan for them and that's a good plan. Have you ever considered asking God about that plan? Have you ever considered asking him what you should do with your money? How you should save? What you should utilize it for? because when our intentions are correct in glorifying God, then the motives will be correct. And so our intentions, they matter so much because saving, it rightly values money as a gift from God. And if our intentions in saving are correct, then our motives and our goal to glorify God is correct. And thinking through how you could use savings, how you could use your resources and an opportunity to show Christ's love to other people. Do we think about that enough? then we've got the other 10, we're talking about a tithe, and and we use the word tithe because it's used in the Bible. Tithe really just means one-tenth. And so when we say tithe, we're saying one-tenth, which is 10% of what you make. And so a tithe uh, serves a ton of amazing purposes. I'll be truthful. One of the best purposes, I find it for me in my own life, is to not make money an idol, is to show that I don't need to live off of all of the money I receive, but that I can live off of less, because money is not everything. It also helps me greatly with trusting in God because I stand up here having many times where I have not had the money to pay for the circumstance or the situation that came in front of me and yet God faithfully provided that money. He faithfully provided an opportunity. And tithing, it also helps so clearly in supporting the mission of the local church and the global church. What you guys give helps us to love, serve, and reach more people. And so I want you to know those are, those are really valuable things of what tithing does. But the key purpose of tithing, if you'll see in my point here, and you can write in your message notes, is that tithing, it rightly values money as a gift from God. See what I did there? Saving rightly values money as a gift from God. And tithing rightly values money as a gift from God. See, because when we're good stewards of our money and we learn to be generous with our money, then money is not our God. But if we have a hold, if there's something stopping us from feeling like we can do that, we gotta do a heart check. We gotta ask, what are my intentions? Why am I reluctant? Why can I not? And so we should tithe, not because we want, we have to, but because we should want to. Not because you feel forced to, but because you should, from your heart, want to. I can't decide that for you, but I can ask of you to be a cheerful her I, I was, uh, went to a Spring Hill day camp, or it wasn't a day camp, it was actually a week camp as a kid, and I remember there was like a snack shack, and in the snack shack there was all these great snacks, but only about half of the kids had parents who put money in their account so they could get those snacks. The other half, they just like sat on logs and put their puppy eyes on and looked really sad because they had no snacks. And my parents, they gave me money to get snacks, and so I remember having a friend I was getting to know a lot, and I saw he did not have any snacks. And so I did what any, you know, cool fourth grader would do. I got this two airheads, and I gave him one, and we sat down and we shared those airheads. Now I share that, not because that's like crazy generous or anything, but to share with you what an intention, why an intention matters. See, my heart in giving him something as simple as that was not to make him feel, you know, like, uh, like he was asking me of it. I didn't do it out of requirement. I didn't do it out of compulsion. I didn't do it because, I don't know, I felt I had to. I did it because I wanted to. He was someone I knew, he was someone I cared about, and I wanted to give him an airhead, right? Doesn't everybody wanna give their friend an airhead? And this is what scripture talks to us on a much more real sense in life. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse seven. I really want you to hear the scripture because it is important, it's pivotal to this idea of what we do with our resources and money. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So many of us are pursuing goals to feel like we've checked off the Christian box, and yet Jesus right here, God is saying that you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, that you should not give from any metric or number, but you should give from your heart, from your intentions. And so we must take that, we must understand it, and we must learn from it. See, God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't need your money. No, he's trying to show us how to use it wisely, how to be good stewards of it. And I'm just, I just want you to know, like I'm not standing here like I've got my whole life figured out. For the longest time, I didn't give a single penny to God all the way until I got to the Point Church. I had never given a penny to God. I had told myself that I would give God my time and I would give him my talents. And that was how I would tithe to God, that I would give him that stuff through that. And it worked for a while until I got to this crazy place called the Point Church and people started convicting me of that. And we went through a series about money just like this and I was standing here on leadership and staff going, I need to change some things in my own life. I need to figure out how I can give money to God. And so I met with someone who I thought was really wise with money. I asked them, you know, if I could meet with them, and I was just going to share them my heart, like, the reasons why I felt like I couldn't give currently. And I listed all the things. I said, man, I got so much college debt. I've got a kid. We're getting a house. I've got a car payment. Man, there's so many things in my life. I don't know how I could give money to God because I've got way too much going on in my own life that money is needed for. It's not like I'm saving a bunch of money for myself. It's not like I'm getting all these great things. No, I'm having to give it all away. How is it possible for someone like me to give money to God? How is it possible for me to tithe? And man, I was really expecting like an Excel sheet. I was expecting maybe like a good book. I was expecting like a bunch of helpful tips. And he was just like, Noah, as Nike says, just do it. And I was like, that's not an answer that I really want to hear right now, but it was the answer that I needed to hear. And what you need to hear is there is nothing that is ever going to convince you that it is intelligent to give away your money, right? The world is just going to continue to tell you to keep it all for yourself, and yet God's word says to give with a cheerful heart, to give from your heart what you have decided. And so I had to take that and go, I need to give. And so I gave. I talked to Caroline, which you should talk to your significant other. And I said, I think we really need to give. And yeah, we talked through all the questions. Well, how are we gonna make this work? We've got all these bills coming in. How are we gonna still have the money for all of it? And I don't, truthfully, don't know how, but we do. And we have been able to faithfully give to the mission that we so strongly believe in, to the work that we know God is doing. And we have been able to faithfully give And I can't tell you how the money is still all there. But it is. Because I trusted in what God said for me to do over what the world is telling me to do. I trusted in his plan over my plan. I trusted that he knows better than me. And that's what I'm trying to get at. That's the heart of the matter I'm trying to get at. What are your intentions? Because they matter a lot. Where is my heart Is my heart to give? Is my heart to not? Is my heart to keep it all for myself? Where are your intentions? Because they matter to God. They matter so much to him. There's a passage that I really love. I'm going to do some explaining, but first I want to read it. So Luke chapter 5, verses 37 to 39. It says, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. And no, new wine, it must be poured out into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Now, I'm going to explain the context. I'm going to explain what this verse means. First and foremost, Jesus is being attacked by people right now. They don't believe him. They don't believe him to be the Messiah. They don't believe what he's saying. They continue to live in their old ways, in their old covenant. To them, what the law says, they're living in that. They're living in that truth, and as Jesus is saying something different, they're going, No, you've got it wrong. Jesus is wrong. And so, this is what they're choosing to believe. This is constant context they're in. And then Jesus shares this parable. This parable would instantly make sense to the people hearing it. We've got to do a little explaining because I don't know how many of you have seen a wineskin, but that was a sewn up goat where they poured wine into it. I haven't seen one of those recently. What it means, though, is very important and very valuable for us today. See, because a wineskin, an old wineskin, was very clearly showing the old covenant and the old ways that these people believed. A new wineskin was showing the new ways and the new covenant that Jesus was creating when he came onto this earth, died on the cross for our sins. And so we see the old wineskin and we see the new wineskin and then we see this word, the new wine. What is the new wine? Well, that's the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. That's his word. That's what he has for us, the new truth that he's provided for us, that we can be saved if we confess with our mouth Jesus, Lord, and believe in our heart he raised from the dead. So this old wineskin and this new wineskin, and personally for me, it's still a little foggy, and so I've got, I think, a little bit better of a way to explain this. I'll just let you know right now, um, I, gave, I was given permission to pour water on the carpet, okay? So anyways, this looks very similar to the other cup I have over there. And this is my old wine skin. These are my old ways. This is where I am in my life right now. And as God tries to pour truth into my life, you can see what occurs. It's all leaking out, okay? It's all going away. No matter what I try to do, it just keeps going out. And this is what would happen in this time if you poured new wine into an old wine skin, is it would leak out because the fermentation process would wear down that wineskin and it couldn't be used again. And Jesus was trying to show us something in a really real way. He was trying to share with us what it looks like to give your heart over entirely to Christ versus only giving it over a little bit. See, because there's a lot of us in life who are living in the old wineskin but receiving the new wine and yet nothing is happening in our life and we go, why, God, why isn't it happening? Because you have not given your entire life over to Christ. That's why. Right? What's holding you back from entirely trusting in God's plan for your life? What's holding you back from relying on his plan for your life? See, we'll say like, man, I'll trust you, God, with my spiritual things. But when it comes to the finances or when it comes to this, I'm trusting me. I'm trusting the world. And God says, I just wanna be honest with you, you gotta give your entire self over to me. You have to give it all. See, because if I wanna see change, if I wanna see new wine remain in me, I have to have a new wineskin. I have to be changed new completely, entirely, because if I want to see God do a work in my life, then I need to give over my entire life to him. If I want to see God work and if I'm asking myself, man, God, where are you, God? I can't see you. It's not because God has run away from you. It's because you are far from God. I remember a time in my life where I was constantly pursuing going to church. I was the good kid. I was going. I was serving. I was loving on other people. And yet in my home, when I got home, what I would do in secret on my phone was sinful and not what God wanted in my life was just constantly living this double life. Go to church, love God, go home, sin. Just constantly going over and over and over again in my life. God doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't expect your sin to just magically go away when you come to faith in Him. But He wants you to give your entire life over to God. I had given my life over to God, except I had not given all of my desires over to God, all of my heart over to God, all of my intentions over to God. And so my intentions, while a lot of people saw a good person out there, my intentions were all for myself. They were all for my pleasure and my desire. And God did a work in me. He put people in my life. And most importantly, he put his scripture and he pushed me to read it to understand it, to make sense of it. And as I did that, I said, I've got two decisions. Sometimes we like to put a third one in there, but it doesn't exist. I can either be all in for Christ or all out. A lot of us like to believe that there's some middle ground there, that there's some way in which I can still pursue my desires and still love God on the side. You have to give everything to him. You can't just give some of yourself to him. If we want a God who is living and active in our lives, then we better give our entire life over to him. We have to. Today, I'm asking us to take communion. Um, The ushers can bring forward the elements and start handing them out. Communion is something really simple. Um, We ask anybody who accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, believes that he rose from the dead, you can partake in these elements. It's a way in signifying what Jesus has done on the cross for us. You take this bread that I'm just gonna tell you it don't taste that great, but you take it. You take it because it reminds you of what Jesus did. It reminds you of the pain that he went through to provide an opportunity for us to know him. It reminds you of those things. And we take the blood, and you don't have to take this right now. I'm going to ask you to take it as the team leads us in a song. But the blood, it reminds us of what Jesus poured out on that cross for us. And we think about the physical things because they're visual to us. We think about him on the cross. But we don't understand the spiritual pain that Jesus took in to give us an opportunity, to give us a choice to go and accept him into our hearts, to live our lives out for him. For Jesus Christ. And so um, this team's going to lead us in a song that I find so fitting today. And what I would ask you to do is I'd ask you to bow your heads, I'd ask you to close your eyes, I'd ask you to get right with God because we take communion to remember what He's done. And so we need to get right in our hearts with God before we take it, before we partake in it. And so I would ask you to just start praying. Just start confessing. Just start giving everything up to God right now, laying down of yourself all of the things in the way and giving it up to God. And as you feel led, as you feel prompted, then partake in eating that bread and drinking that grape juice to remember the body and the blood that he poured out for us. So would you join as they lead us in this song? I want you to bow your heads and pray with me. Father God, you are doing a work. Right now, I want to lift up whatever people came in with today. Whatever they brought into this building today, God, hurts, abuse, addictions, struggles, temptations, sins. Whatever they brought in, God, I know... I know because I've experienced it in my own life, I know you do not look at me the way I view myself. You do not see that sin, you do not see that hurt, you do not see that pain, God, no. You look at me and you see your child. You see who I am wonderfully and beautifully made by and you know what I will become. And so I look at people right now, I see people right now who need your truth in their life, who need your revival in their hearts. They need to give everything over to you, not just some part of it, not just the elements that we can see here today, but everything, God. And I know that your spirit is in this room. I know that your work can happen, God. I know that entirely by you, you can change hearts. You can change lives. Your word says, for we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wages of that sin is death. But that the free gift of Jesus Christ is eternal life in heaven. And that if we confess with our mouths, we can confess with our mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. And believe in our hearts that he rose from the dead. We will be saved. There is no question about it. We will be saved if we confess and believe. If our intentions are to honor and follow you with everything. And so I pray for salvation. I pray for miracles. I pray for weights that have been on someone's life to be removed because in your name and in your power and in your will, you can do whatever you want to do. God, would you make us vessels? Would you make us what you want us to be, God? Would you make us who you have for us? Would you not let us get caught up into how rushed this world is? Would you not let us get caught up into what this world is telling us to do? Would you not let us get caught up in all of the things that we could just trust you? could just give our lives over to you. So much of this world is going to tell us that our purpose is found in all of these other things. But we know that one day we will be in front of you and you will tell a different story. And so I pray for the people right here that they would know that this purpose that you're searching for on this earth, this desires that you're trying to fulfill in all these different ways, they will not add up to anything but that the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word is that you can be saved if you want to be saved. If you will give your entire life over to Christ, you will see him work in you and through you and you will see his word and his truth reach others because of you, that God is doing a work right now in our nation. He is doing a work right now in our church. And if we would only realize that he is living and active, that we wouldn't just say it, but that we would mean it, that we would believe that God can do these things in our lives through us, We can understand that his spirit is living and active. God, would you commission us? Would you send us out into this earth to cause revival, to shake the ground? We see you doing things in our nation. We see you presenting your name to 100 million people over the Super Bowl, God. We see you presenting your story over a beautiful TV show called The Chosen. God, we see revival happening at a university with nothing techie, nothing cool, nothing amazing except your worship, your word, and prayer. We see revival stirring up and we know that revival can stir up here because revival is when our hearts are shaken, when our hearts are awakened, and then we go out into this world and we love others, and we share that with others, and we lead others to you. God, I ask that you would let people just let go of the things in their life, let go of the stuff in their life, that they would pursue you entirely, that they could see what you have for them. God, that they would stop getting caught up in all of the things that get in the way. Thank you for who you are. May I never forget what you've done on the cross. May I always remember your wonderful and powerful name, amen. Hey, we know you got something. I'm thinking about lunch already. I want to ask you of something. Don't feel rushed. There's not another service coming in. There's not more people getting here. The team is going to lead us in this song. As we send you out and feel led to leave when you need to, but know that you can spend this time bowing your head, talking to God if you need that too. If you feel that someone you need prayer for, I will be sitting and standing right down here and I would love to pray for you. There will be other people here who would love to pray for you. We don't want this feeling in your heart right now to go without some level of action and trust and reliance on God. And so if you're feeling something, do something about it. Let us pray with you. Let us live out what God is calling in your life. Man, I know we talk about money. I know we talk about a lot of things today. I just want you to know that if you're feeling prompted to give, I would encourage you to do so, not because it's the smart thing, but because it's what God's telling you to do. If you feel led, you can give in a bunch of different ways. I would encourage you, if you feel like you can't give, if you feel like that's a stronghold in your life, I would encourage you to check out Financial Peace University, and it'll help you understand how you can get better at that, how you can learn to give it away, how you can learn to be good stewards of your money. I know that we're talking about money, but we're talking about a lot more than that. Money is just a stronghold in this world and we need to address it. We can't let it become a God over our lives. And I don't want it to let it become a God over my life. And so my heart and my my passion for you is that you would hear my intentions and that you would understand my intentions. I want you to live a life that is on fire for Christ. I don't want you to be 50-50. I want you to be all in. And you can't if you let go of the things that are getting in the way. So that's my prayer for you. Team, would you lead us?